bipartisan, and also that there were so many international connections that needed to be investigated. Obviously, most candidates don't have these connections. President Trump has dismissed the dossier as phony stuff. As the president's travel restrictions on refugees expire, the administration has a new plan for screening passengers. CBS's Vicki Barker. Air France, Cathay Pacific, Egypt Air, Emirates and Lufthansa all say they'll start the screenings as early as tomorrow. An administration ban on laptops in the cabins of some Mideast airlines was lifted last March after the carriers improved their screening of U.S. bound passengers. But airlines were given a 100 120-day deadline to meet new U.S. security regulations, and that deadline's almost up. With sex harassment scandals growing by the day, an investigation by USA Today shows a pattern of sexual and other misbehavior top military brass that's gone unchecked for years. Report cites at least 500 cases involving generals, admirals, and senior civilians. Dow down 17. This is CBS News. This is Michael Medved. I'm here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. The news reports say that the rates might be going down. The government projects the cost of Medicare plans will decrease this year. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service with access to thousands of Medicare plans nationwide to help folks maximize their benefits and save money. What is it people need to keep in mind? Enrollment in the right plan is not automatic. With so many Medicare options, it can be confusing. My advice don't go it alone. Get unbiased help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more with lower co-payments, more choices like dental and vision, and the freedom to choose your doctors. With the enrollment deadline only weeks away, it's important to act now. Our Health Markets Medicare assistance is free. Thanks, Mike. This is Michael Medved for Health Markets. For your free Medicare assistance, call 800-501-6643. That's 800-501-6643. 800-501-6643. And good morning. I'm Brian Barnhart in the DWS Newsroom. 38 degrees now at 904. Our forecast from meteorologist Greg Solier. Cloudy, chilly, a stray light shower developing at a high of 51. 30% chance of rain. Some frost tonight, 33 to 36, depending on where you are for the low. Tomorrow, a high of 63 after some frost early. Friday, cloudy, breezy, colder, a high of 51 falling temperatures. Could get some showers, maybe some wet snow mixed in Friday night. Same story Saturday morning early. And then a high of 47, 42 for the kickoff temperature. Illinois and Wisconsin for homecoming at 11. Right now at 9.04, 36 degrees, 38 degrees here at the Radio Center. I'm Brian Barnhart, and we're glad you're with us. Penny for your thoughts is up next. Stay tuned for that. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs Of every head he's had the pleasure to know And all the people that come and go Stop and say hello On the corner is a banker with a motor car The little children having him behind his back Good morning, everybody, and welcome to uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. I'll be here until 11 o'clock this morning, as uh, usual. This first hour will be an open line. And then uh, we're going to have a real treat uh, for you during the first portion of hour number two. Gene Driscoll is uh, going to be here. I'm going to 
kind of look back at some of her uh, amazing history while here at the University of Illinois and some more on her move to North Carolina. You're invited to call. We're at 351-5667. That's our temporary phone line. And uh, we're going to go with that until we get our old phone line back. So you're going to have to write this down and uh, try to remember it. We apologize for that, but it's uh, totally out of our hands. Uh, Somebody else is trying to get this fixed for us. 351-5667 is the phone number. And the text line is 351-5357. So if you have something on your mind that uh, you would like to talk about, I'm going to go through some uh, headlines here this morning. And you can pick up on those stories or bring up something entirely new. That's uh, up to you. Talon Horton Tucker, a four-wing, four-star wing, I should say, from Simeon High School, is going to announce uh, tomorrow night, and we expect him to announce for the University of Illinois, and that would give the Illini basketball program back-to-back big-timers just uh, days apart. Ayo Dosumi The uh, five-star point guard from uh, Morgan Park announced uh, recently, as you know. So we don't get these kind of players uh, too often. And there was a little uh, conversation. We understand uh, yesterday getting uh, the families together and the coaches and uh, talking to various uh, people. And uh, it looks like it's a done deal. And uh, speaking of uh, sports, uh, a real baseball game was played last night in Los Angeles. I don't know if anybody uh, saw that game. I would like to talk about that a little bit, but it was played in 100-degree uh, temperature. It got a little uh, cooler as the uh, down in the about 98 at the end of the game, I was told. Started out at 103. But uh, the thing I liked about it was the fact that uh, the Dodgers and the Astros hooked up in a two-hour, 28-minute classic pitcher's battle. There was some great uh, starting pitching, some good relief pitching as well, some home runs, great defense. That's the way that baseball is meant to be played, but uh, seldom is played that way. And the Dodgers won the first game of the World Series, the two good pitchers again tonight in Game 2. Locally, defense uh, says that uh, they want to delay in the kidnapping trial of uh, Branta Christensen. Public defenders want more time to prepare their case. And an Illinois House committee approved legislation that its sponsor said would ban the so-called bump stock on guns in Illinois. Now, we've always had a lot of uh, conversation about Guns, every time uh, something uh, happens regarding uh, guns, we get some uh, calls from people, and I'd be happy to hear what you think about these bump stocks. I never heard of a bump stock until the the shooting in uh, Las Vegas. And that's uh, that was a, a vote from a uh, committee, so it's not, a, not uh, passed by anybody over there yet, just uh, the committee. So we'll see how that uh, turns out. State senators nullify the move on right to work. And a judge has ruled that Carl must uh, provide 
financial documents related to two of its subsidiaries. The uh, documents have been uh, sought by taxing bodies and the long-standing lawsuits filed by Carl, disputing several years of uh, property taxes, several years' worth of uh, property taxes. And nationally, uh, Republican Senators Flake and Corker denounced President Trump. Extraordinary denunciations of a sitting president within their own party. Jimmy Fallon said last night that uh, Trump is calling this flake news, flake news. <laughs> Senate repeals the uh, rule allowing class action lawsuits against the uh, banks and the credit uh, union companies. And the volleyball tonight, the Illini volleyball team in a very difficult uh, part of their uh, schedule, having just played at Nebraska. It's uh, Minnesota uh, tonight and at Minnesota and then at home on Saturday to Penn State, three of the best teams, not only in the Big Ten Conference, but in the country. So those are some of the things that we want to talk about today. We're going to take our first break right here and come back and see what's on your mind at 351-5667. That's the phone number, 351-5667. Or you can text us at 351-5357 after we take our first break.
All right, uh, let's uh, get the uh, calls uh, going here. We seem to have uh, uh, fallen off a bit uh, getting uh, phone calls since we uh, uh, moved into the new studios. I don't know if it's uh, because of the uh, temporary number or not. I've uh, given uh, the temporary number out a lot of uh, times, and maybe there's not uh, much uh, going on right now that, uh, that interests you. If uh, you have uh, something that you would like to talk about with regard to uh, a question or a comment on uh, some of the headline stories, that's fine. If you want to bring up something new, that's uh, fine as well. We have an open line going this first hour. Then uh, I really look forward to uh, talking to uh, Jean Driscoll. She's uh, an amazing uh, woman. We're going to be very sorry to uh, lose her. She was... uh, uh, a great, great uh, ambassador for the University of Illinois. And, of course, uh, many of you are familiar with her uh, exploits uh, on the uh, track, the Boston Marathon and uh, the Paralympics and all that. We'll get to that during hour number two. As I look at the uh, local section of the News Gazette this morning, the search, day 139. So 139 days, and public defenders are wanting more time to prepare their case. I can certainly uh, understand why they would uh, want more time, because they haven't been on the case uh, all that long. And uh, it's uh, just something that has to happen. There's just tons and tons and tons of uh, stuff that is, uh, is there. And uh, they have to go through it. So uh, we'll take a look at that uh, story here in uh, just a moment. But let's go to uh, Tom in uh, Rantoul. Hello, Tom. Good morning, Jim, and I give you thanks for taking my phone call. I'm glad you're calling. I, uh, we're uh, trying to get some dialogue going on this uh, program. That's Yeah, a, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I got yeah. a comment that's going to stir things up nicely. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I heard some disturbing, and I have to explain why it's disturbing information on the news this morning, that uh, uh, Governor Bruce Rauner um, vetoed a law on right to work, and uh, the Illinois Senate uh, overrode it, and the Houses expect to override it. Well, I have been an advocate for organized labor for most of my life until I found out that um, Karl Marx, uh, and it was put in the congressional record, 19, April 19, April 29th, 1954, about gaining control over labor unions, gaining control over news media and all these uh, various things to, to help destroy the West because they knew they couldn't uh, beat the West militarily at that time. Karl Marx published in 1841 the progressive income tax in London. He also published uh, in 1841 in London uh, minimum wage at that time. Karl Marx's lifetime goal was to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. Really had nothing to do about giving the poor people like me a bigger piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, appeal to the poor people, give them a bigger piece of the pie, and to the intellectuals and the scientists to use science to make a world a better place to live. But in reality, he wanted to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. 
he could never hold a job himself. He had to live off the fruits of a capitalist. In fact, you might say the only thing Karl Marx did that was good was to uh, very faithful to his wife. 1853, Karl Marx published in Germany a people's paper the the races and the classes too weak to adapt to the new conditions of life must give away. They must perish in a revolutionary holocaust. Well, now, uh, Tom, Tom, this is uh, yeah, I, and I understand where you're coming from, and uh, I just. Uh, Want to, uh, the labor uh, union leaders on the news have said to solve Illinois' problem, they have to go to a heavy progressive income tax. Well, the uh, what I'm saying is, is it's not in our interest. The, the the veto override now goes to the Illinois House, and That's uh, well, the legislation I got the 67 votes there back in June, and that total wouldn't be enough to override uh, Rauner's uh, veto. So they're uh, saying this morning that it will. The uh, state senators are the one that uh, that uh, dealt this blow to uh, to Rauner's uh, longstanding uh, goal of uh, permitting local governments to enact their own right to work zones and overriding his uh, veto of legislation that would uh, prohibit their establishment. So uh, this is not uh, something that's uh, that is uh, happening yet. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens yeah. uh, from here. You know, a lot of times these. One side will do something, and it'll never get, uh, never be seen again. Depends. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm aware of that. Uh, it seems that Illinois is the last state in the country to, to, to. I mean, you know, if this goes any further, Amazon will not locate in Illinois, not with fifty thousand employees that they cannot control. Yeah, that's a, said, uh, uh, that's uh, quite a battle about uh, the uh, what they're calling their uh, second uh, home or their second office, uh, yeah. and they're uh, they're just kind of sitting there uh, listening to all the uh, people and seeing how many uh, uh, how much uh, money are we going to give them, uh, how many uh, tax breaks are we going to give them, and, and all those kind of things. But uh, you're you're quite right. There's a lot goes into that. We appreciate your call, Tom. Uh, thanks very much. What he's talking about is the state senators yesterday, reading from Tom Kasich's column in the Gazette this morning, state senators dealt another blow to Governor Bruce Rauner's longstanding goal of permitting local governments to enact their own right-to-work zones, overriding his veto of legislation that would prohibit their establishment. Right-to-work refers to the issue of permitting workers to enjoy union benefits and protections without joining the union or without having to pay any dues. The override was 42 to 13. That's a gain of uh, two votes beyond the Senate's 40 to 13 margin in July when the legislation originally was approved. Two more suburban Republicans uh, on a Tuesday joined with Senate Democrats in supporting the measure. Overall, six Republicans voted for the override. All area Republicans voted to support Rauner's veto of Senate Bill 1905. Champaign Democrat Scott Bennett voted for the override. Although Republican senators said privately that the vote was a sign that Republican lawmakers feel more able to stand up to Rauner Bennett said he thought the override was a sign that legislators feel collective bargaining is a state issue 
and not one to be decided by local governments throughout the state. No matter where you are on the issue, any change has to come from Springfield. We don't want a patchwork of Vermilion County having one set of rules and Champaign County having another. A lot of projects would uh, transcend these boundaries. You just need consistency. We're at uh, 351-5667. That's our phone number. Our text number is 351-5357. We take a quick break here. We're coming uh, right back. Uh, Phone lines open. This uh, first hour, Gene Driscoll during hour number two. This is Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. This is an open line until uh, 10 o'clock this morning. Then a conversation with uh, Gene Driscoll. We're at 351-5667. You can uh, text us uh, as well at 351-5357. Anybody uh, watch that game last night? Uh, what do you think of the, the World Series game? What do you think of the uh, fact that it looks like we're going to have uh, two uh, uh, star players, uh, one a four-star, one a five-star. If uh, Talon Horton Tucker comes through uh, tomorrow night, he's a four-star wing player from Simeon High School, and perhaps he'll be the next to wear number 25 that has been worn by so many Simeon players at the U of I. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, it certainly looks uh, very, very uh, positive. And uh, that would be two, uh, two big-timers, just back-to-back. Coach Underwood and his staff are to be congratulated. Uh, they're working uh, very hard. But uh, citing a need to 
prepare a thorough defense. The attorneys for accused killer Brent Christensen have asked that his trial date be delayed. Now, if you're like me, and uh, you probably are, we're just kind of uh, bystanders here, and we just uh, try to keep track of uh, what's going on. Uh, Mary Schenck does a good job in covering the courts, and our news department does a great job in uh, covering them as well. And these things seem to go on and on and on and on, don't they? This is day 139, but uh, the 28-year-old former University of Illinois graduate student was supposed to be tried in late February for the alleged kidnapping and the death of U of I visiting a scholar. But Christensen was in the federal court in Urbana two weeks ago, being arraigned on the new charges filed in connection with the June 9th disappearance of the visiting scholar from China engaged in agricultural research at the uh, U of I. Let's go to the phones for Lou. Hello, Lou. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Hey, Lou Lie, of all people. What's yeah, going it's, on, it's, man? It's, it's oh, Lou, I, well, not much. It's just homecoming weekend, and uh, I know uh, we want to get everybody fired up. Yeah, we got to get them. You know, a, we got to get them a, a warm coat too, don't we? Well, I, unfortunately, <laughs> the parade at Yep and the Pepper will be a little chilly. Always is, but uh, but get out there, orange and blue, and and you can do it. A little trivia contest. Uh, you know, it started here. Dab Williams and Ernie Ekblaw, and uh, I remember Dab Williams came back to campus when he was about ninety, and I met him <laughs> back many years ago. And, uh, you know, I th- yeah, it was 1911, I think. I, I now it's, uh, you know, after we had retired, I forgot some of those numbers. Well, uh, Lou, you were uh, headed up the, uh, you headed up the Al- Alumni Association for how many years? Well, I was head of it for uh, 16 years, and uh, but I was there for over 30. So, yeah, so I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I know you yeah. are. What, what, what are your duties there now? We've got a... Well, we got a very energetic relationship. Uh, yeah, oh, you're you're a PR person, huh? Well, that's all I am. I'm building relationships, and I'm, you know, uh, helping out Jen Newbar, the new gal, who's just absolutely terrific. And uh, you know, we uh, we're going to have a, a big event here at the center afterwards that, with uh, Car- Carlisle Johnson's band and Dina Vermette singing, and there's already 500 signed up, <laughs> thanks to the internet. But it's uh, it promises to be a really a great time, a good place. So we want this building to be used, and hope uh, as many people will come as uh, that are interested in seeing some old grads. And this is the place to meet. Now this is a eleven o'clock ball game. So you're talking about mid afternoon for this party, yeah, right? Yeah, I think it's I I think uh, uh, Carlisle uh, New Orleans Jazz uh, Band starts around two thirty or three. And it'll 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 go on, uh, you know, for several hours. And uh, hey, Lou, uh, do me a favor. Well, I got a break here for the news, but uh, could you have somebody tomorrow? I've got uh, two hours of open line. I'd like to have somebody that uh, knows what all the activities uh, are, and uh, uh, just uh, call in the the show, and uh, maybe I can give a little longer rundown of some of the other stuff that's going on. I'll find out, Jim. It's, it's the number I had: three five one five six six seven. That's it. That's hard to remember, yeah. but uh, that, that's the new well, number. Hey, thanks a lot for all the, those years. Yep. Appreciate the call this morning. <laughs> all right. 
Thank you. And uh, time now for the uh, news uh, headlines with uh, Brian Barnhart. Back after that. All right. Thank you, Jim. And good morning, everybody. Our news headlines brought to you by First Mid-Illinois Bank and Trust, providing financial solutions since 1865. Visit firstmid.com to find out more. Air France says it will begin new security interviews of passengers on U.S.-bound flights. The airline says it will start the new procedures at Paris Orly Airport and a week later, November 2nd, at Charles de Gaulle Airport. Air France said on Wednesday today that the extra screening will take the form of a questionnaire handed over to 100% of passengers. Authorities say a student and his friend were fatally shot on the campus of Grambling State University in Louisiana by a suspect who remained at large. Champaign County Board Member John Rector is the second Republican now to make a bid for county clerk. Rector of Champaign plans a formal announcement this afternoon. He joins Republican Matt Grandoni and Democrat Aaron Ammons in the field. The current Republican clerk, Gordy Holton, is running for county executive. And if the Danville School Board signs off tonight, it's not expected to take long to physically get Dr. David Field's name on the district's administration building. That meeting tonight at 630 at 516 North Jackson Street in Danville. Right now, 38 degrees at 932. And a word from our sponsor and back in a moment. This hour, the Dow is down 50, NASDAQ down 14, the S&P is down about 9. As far as the forecast today, from News Gazette media meteorologist Greg Solier, cloudy, straight light shower by this afternoon, a high of 51, chance of rain at 30%. It'll get cold tonight, 33 to 36, the low and areas of frost. Frost early tomorrow and then up to 63 tomorrow. Southeasterly winds, not as cool tomorrow night, a low of 46. Friday, a couple of showers and maybe some wet snow at night and a high of 51 with falling temperatures. Right now in Champaign-Urbana, 36 degrees, 38 degrees now as it bumps up. 9.33 is our time. This update brought to you by First Mid-Illinois Bank and Trust, providing financial solutions since 1865. I'm Brian Barnhart. Jim Turpin returns with more Penny for Your Thoughts next on DWS.
We're back on a penny of your thoughts. We have an open line going until uh, 10 o'clock. We'll take your calls at uh, 3515667. And uh, Keith is next. Hello, Keith. Hi, Jim. What's going on, Keith? Hey, you know, I, I didn't get to read the whole article. I saw it on Fox this morning, though. Professor Gutierrez from the University of Illinois claiming that teaching math perpetuates white privilege. Have you have you seen that? No. Where where is that? It was on Fox. I just saw a clip about it. But uh, no, I didn't see that. I, I was like, really? <laughs> well, well, what did it say again? It it was talking about the teaching of math. As opposed to being more focused on things like history or or culture, but the focus on teaching math perpetuates white privilege. Oh my goodness! It uh, I, every, to me, math is just a fact. There's math yeah, it, is numbers. It's a bunch of numbers, fact. right? Yeah, right. And it, and it and it's truth. It's not. I'm just confused on. I, I was just wondering what what your take on that was, if you if you'd read it. No, I have not read it, so I'm uh, not really uh, prepared to, to talk much about it. But it just sounds awful to, to me to have. Who said that? Uh, it, hurt, it was a professor Gutierrez. Oh yeah, well, I don't. I can't. Uh, I can't have a dialogue on that because I haven't seen it. But I'll make it a point to look it up. But uh, it just, uh, I can't imagine how you can say. Uh, uh, take numbers and uh, turn them into that kind of a statement. I, I was just really, I just read the the opening of the article and was just like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe this. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing it up, Keith. I'll, uh, I'll take a look at it. Maybe we can uh, talk about it uh, later or, or tomorrow. Thanks a lot, Jim. Have a great day. Yeah, appreciate the call, sir. Again, three five one five six six seven is the phone number, and three five one five three five seven is the text. Uh, little uh, chat going on. Uh, Benny tells uh, tells us that he hopes Game Two will be just as great as Game One. Go Dodgers! And uh, a question to me: Does Bobby? know how corrupt the federal government was under Obama's watch. Tell him to listen to Hannity uh, tonight, and he might realize. It's a 9.38 here at the Radio Center. Phone lines open until 10 o'clock. What is the best age to retire? Question mark. What's the best age to retire? Over the past two years, the average retirement age has been 63. The professionals at Busey Wealth Management can help you plan the right time. Deciding when to retire depends on a lot of things. Lifestyle preferences, changes in circumstances such as divorce, health considerations, and financial readiness. Busey Wealth Management can help determine your optimal strategy. They'll review a a lot of uh, variables how much you've saved by working longer, you can maximize your savings. How much you plan to spend, consider your needs and expenses as well as your retirement goals. And your life expectancy, the average is 84 for males and 86 for females. 
Their experts understand no two situations are alike, but they'll take time to listen and to understand your needs. Years of experience allow unique insight into planning for a range of situations. Rest easy knowing they will simplify the complexities of planning for retirement. You can also utilize the retirement calculators at Busey.com to get a better idea of how long your retirement savings will last and how much can you spend each month in retirement. The experts at Busey Wealth Management can help identify your objectives, design a game plan to achieve your goals, and implement a program that fits your needs. Visit Busey.com or stop by one of their many convenient locations today. Solutions for your lifetime. Well, the uh, the battle, if you like to call it that, with Carl and uh, taxing uh, bodies uh, continues. The Carl Foundation, this is a story by Deb Pressey in today's News Gazette, the Carl Foundation will have to produce more than a decade worth of financial documents related to two of its subsidiaries, a Cayman Islands-based liability insurer company and a risk management company, a Champaign County judge has ruled. The documents have been sought by attorneys representing local and state taxing bodies in connection with two long-standing lawsuits that the Carl filed to dispute several years' worth of property taxes. In a hearing on a Tuesday, Champaign County Judge Randy Rosenbaum agreed to reconsider and authorized the taxing district's request for information formally denied by a previous judge hearing the lawsuits, uh, now-retired Judge Chase Leonard. Attorneys for the taxing districts came to court seeking access to six sets of documents concerning financial information about Health Systems Insurance Limited, that's the offshore insurer that underwrites the Carl Foundation's general professional and workers' compensation liability risks, and the claims management company, Carl Risk Management. Rosenbaum's order to produce the documents covers Health Systems Insurance Limited's annual audits from 2002 to the present. Well, as I uh, mentioned to uh, uh, Dr. Gibb when he was on here the other day, we haven't heard uh, too much about the uh, tax uh, dispute between the city of Urbana and uh, Carl since they have a new mayor there. But uh, it's uh, still out there, of course. But uh, no need to talk about it at every given opportunity, as the previous mayor did. What about the bump stocks? I never heard of a bump stock until the tragedy in Las Vegas. Had you? Didn't have any idea what it was. But an Illinois House committee, strictly a party-line vote, approved legislation that its sponsor said would ban the so-called bump stocks on guns in the state of Illinois, plus require that anyone purchasing Tannerite, an explosive compound, would need a firearms owner identification card. 
Stephen uh, Paddock, the shooter in the October 1st massacre in Las Vegas, had 50 pounds of tannerite in his possession and used bump stocks to accelerate the rate of fire from his high-powered rifles. The House Judiciary Critical, uh, I'm sorry, the House Judiciary Criminal Committee approved the legislation sponsored by Representative Marty Moylan, a Democrat from Des Plaines, on a 7-5 to roll call vote. The action came on the first day of the legislature's fall veto session. But the uh, National Rifle Association were there, the lobbyists for the NRA were there, and the Illinois State Rifle Association said their organization opposed uh, Moylan's uh, HB House Bill uh, 4117. NRA lobbyist Todd uh, Vandermeid claimed that Moylan's proposal was so broadly worded that it would essentially prohibit or outlaw in our estimation, 50% of the firearms held in Illinois today. It would make a criminal out of the vast majority of the 2.2 million FOIA cardholders for mere possession. Vanderwijk said the law would criminalize a lot of very common things that gun owners do to modify their weapons to make them shoot better, to make them shoot more accurately. The former state rep, who now lobbies for the Illinois State Rifle Association, said his group supports another bill, which is 4120, sponsored by Representative Barbara Wheeler. She's a Republican from Crystal Lake. That would ban the future sale and possession of bump stocks on guns. Sullivan said there's no estimate of the number of bump stocks attached to weapons in Illinois, but there are an estimated 150,000 nationwide. Moylan told the committee, this is not a knee-jerk reaction. This is what we do responsibly to protect our citizens. My measure is focused on modification devices and an explosive substance, not on the firearm itself. Well, what do uh, some of you uh, NRA members or others that uh, have a interest in uh, guns uh, uh, think about this. Was this a uh, good thing, a bad thing? Before, I've never heard of a bump stock. I had no idea. I'm not a gun person, but I think the the word bump stock uh, became uh, new to a lot of people and when it was found out of what the uh, shooter in Las Vegas uh, was using and what he did. Take a little break here. It's a 9.47, and I come right back with more Open Line until 10 o'clock.
Let's uh, go uh, back to the uh, phones. Uh, this is Bill. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Jim. How you doing, Bill? Uh, good. I was. I'm an NRA member. There's five million of us, and I don't know if people know this, but not all NRA members are gun owners. Some are just interested in uh, supporting the Second Amendment. I got a card from them asking me to call Chad Hayes or look into the bill that's come forward in the Illinois legislature. And the one bill I believe, now I may be wrong on this, but it also uh, <clears throat> prohibits uh, certain capacities of magazines. It's going to limit it to like 10. Well, I've got like a 22 rifle that's just strictly target shooting rifle, and it's used for uh, just, just playing around, you know, just shooting. And it has a 20-round capacity. That would be legal. Almost every AR-type rifle comes with a with a larger than a 10, 10 capacity. And there's reasons for that. One, they're pretty difficult to load, so when you go out shooting, it's nice to have it all loaded before you have to go and not have to do the hard work of uh, reloading every time you just want to go out and target. And they're used for hunting, but, of course, you don't need high capacity for hunting. But. I think that's the NRA's main objection to uh, is the magazine limitation. Could you put a uh, bump stock on that the rifle that you have? Not on a twenty-two. It has to be a higher caliber recoil. You can actually get that same effect without a bump stock. Uh, I've heard it done. They say it's very inaccurate way in waste magazines. So most you know serious shooters don't use it. You're just pulling the, basically pulling the rifle forward and you're pulling your, pulling your finger into the, into the trigger. So when it recoils, your finger comes off and automatically goes back on, but you can get the bump stock effect without the bump stock. So, you know, one of the things for the higher capacity magazines, they're used for home defense and kind of a rule of thumb with uh, a lot of people is I want to be better armed than an intruder or two or three intruders. That's why they're, like I said, the biggest thing I think is it would make a lot of guns and a lot of magazines that exist illegal. Yeah, that's uh, what the the guy from the NRA had to say over in the House committee meeting uh, yesterday that, uh, and then they, uh, you know, the people that are pushing uh, the bill, Came right back. I I don't know, you know, whether this is a is a, a knee jerk reaction to a, to what happened in uh, Vegas or not. But uh, it's the first time. I don't know if uh, bump stocks ever been brought up in the Illinois General Assembly or not before now. I think the lady from Crystal Lake, the Republicans' bill, would pass easily. Probably have support even in the NRA. I don't think the NRA's. You know, they realize that you know, bump stocks aren't really needed by serious. You know, people that are are uh, gun owners or serious uh, enthusiasts for you know, hunting and target shooting and stuff. So I don't think they'll get any any uh, blowback from that. I think the bump stocks could could easily be outlawed. And do you, you think many uh, people uh, around uh, around here, people you know that uh, go uh, hunting and out just uh, uh, shooting, uh, just uh, you know, for the fun of it? Um, have a bump stock? I mean, is this something common or is this brand new? 
Nobody that I know of has one. Uh, huh? Okay. Probably could no. There's. Uh, I mean, the reason people go out and shoot twenty twos is they can practice their marksmanship without wasting uh, those. Those larger shells are expensive, mm-hmm. and you just start rapid firing uh, just to hear it go off. You might as well throw some firecrackers out there. You know, it's the same effect. <laughs> but they're not. It's not accurate shooting that way. It's not economic, and it's just. Like I said, there's I don't I don't know anybody who has one who wants one. So I, I didn't. Uh, you know, I wasn't much uh, into guns uh, uh, until uh, my dad uh, uh, early on. It's been years ago now, of course. But uh, if we went out uh, just for fun, shooting at old uh, tin cans all set up or that kind of thing, we we used a rifle. But if we we went out hunting uh, rabbits and uh, quail, which we often uh, did. We had a little. Uh, we had a shotgun, and uh, that was that was about it. But uh, it was the the rifles. Uh, I don't know. I guess uh, is it more accuracy uh, on uh, target shooting and things like that with a rifle? I suppose uh, because the uh, the uh, shotguns spray, do they not? Yeah, a shotgun uh, probably has a effective hunting range of maybe forty or fifty yards, and that's getting out there. Um, I don't think around here there's not a rifle season for deer anyway. Uh, but rifles, like I say, they can be accurate. You can get certain rifles can be accurate, you know, beyond five or 600, but you really have to have the right scopes and the uh, right ammunition, the right place to shoot it, and have a desire to do that. Okay, yeah, they do have extended range, and, and like I say a lot of people enjoy them for self-protection and for for target shooting not it, much hunting around here yep. although they do it i think you can hunt coyotes with them and stuff like that <laughs> i'm a nuisance animal get, get some of those out of the way out yeah, thanks uh, bill appreciate your uh, input this morning should we take a uh, break ed right before the uh, news coming up here at uh, 10 o'clock
Our time is up this uh, first hour. Uh, thanks for uh, your uh, calls and uh, your emails. We perhaps we'll have some time uh, later on in the hour for more open line. But after the uh, CBS News coming up here at the top of the hour, we're going to visit with uh, Jean Driscoll. Uh, American wheelchair racer is one of the things she's known for, but she is much, much more than that. We're going to learn all about that and to learn about her a move from the uh, University of Illinois out to uh, North Carolina. All that coming up here in just a few minutes on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.
And good morning. I'm Brian Barnhart in the DWS Newsroom. We stand at 40 degrees here at 10.04. Our local headlines brought to you by Gibson Area Hospital. Now with a specialty clinic in Muhammad to serve all your cosmetic and orthopedic needs because Gibson gets it. We'll have our forecast coming up in a moment. We'll tell you the National Weather Service has issued a frost advisory for the entire listing area from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Well, a state senator who serves East Central Illinois says there still aren't proper controls to keep tax dollars from being wasted on what could be politically connected anti-violence programs. Greg Bishop reports. All right, some other news. Economic development officials in Danville are exploring support for 1% countywide sales tax for facility improvements in Vermilion County school districts. The Vermilion Advantage president, Vicki Hogan, says the organization is surveying members about possibly placing a referendum on the spring primary ballot. She says that quality education, which includes facilities, curriculum, technology, and faculty, is a critical component of successful economic development. And Hogan says it's in addition to the area's overall cost of living. Danville's new sales tax rate uh, would be the same as Chicago, Niles, and Rosemont. If the hike is approved, the sales tax rate in Danville would rise to 10.25%. Only uh, three other cities in Illinois have a higher sales tax. And Champaign County Board Member John Rector is the second Republican to make a bid for Champaign County Clerk. Rector is from Champaign. He plans a formal announcement this afternoon. He joins Republican Matt Grandoni and Democrat Aaron Ammons in the field. The current Republican County Clerk Gordy Holton is running for county executive. Again, we have a frost advisory for uh, 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Chilly coming up this afternoon, a high of 49, chance of rain 30 percent, low of 34 tonight, and frost early tomorrow and a eventual high of 63. Right now in Champaign-Urbana, 40 degrees at 10.06. Our update is brought to you by the Gibson Area Hospital, now with a specialty clinic in Muhammad. I'm Brian Barnhart. More headlines at the bottom of the hour. Jim returns with more Penny for Your Thoughts next on DWS.
And welcome back to our number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. Our phone number is here, 351-5667. You can uh, text us at uh, 351-5357. And I am not ashamed to say that uh, we have a guest in this uh, studio, a person that I would rank as uh, one of the uh, best friends and uh, one of the uh, best people I've uh, ever known. Thank you, Jim. She is a terrific uh, woman. And a lot of people uh, think of uh, Jean Driscoll as an American wheelchair racer and champion, and uh, and she is indeed, but she's done a lot of other things as well. So, Jean, uh, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. That's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. What do you think of our new digs here, huh? They're beautiful. Uh, I, it, it's well worth the wait, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we think so, yeah. We're... Uh, we're still uh, getting uh, used to it, but it's uh, it is quite uh, nice. We're having uh, uh, having a lot of fun and a lot of people uh, uh, coming in. And I wanted to talk to you before you uh, leave for uh, your new job. And I want to talk to you about some of the things you've done since your wheelchair days. But Gene, I think uh, you probably have uh, told your story so many times you think, oh, nobody wants to hear this. But <laughs> this is a, a transient uh, community, and not everyone knows that part of uh, your story. So I'd like, kind of like to start out today by, by going uh, uh, into that a little bit and we'll see where it uh, takes us. But uh, I guess we should uh, start with the uh, spina bifida. Sure. I was born in the mid-60s uh, with something called spina bifida. It's an open spine. For some reason, uh, my spine and spinal cord didn't form properly when I was growing inside my mother as a, as a baby. And so it affected the strength in my lower body. Uh, I was able to walk with below-the-knee braces when I was a child. In high school, I had a bike accident, uh, dislocated my hip, Spent a year in a body cast, had five major hip operations, and after all of that, developed a need to use crutches in a wheelchair. I was 15 when I got my first wheelchair, and like a lot of people, I thought my life was over. I, I didn't know what my future would lo look like. I had an older sister and three younger brothers, and my older sister was beautiful and smart, and she got straight A's without having to study. and. And people were dreaming with her that she was going to be the first female president of the United States. But nobody could dream with me. Nobody really could help me form a vision. And uh, experiences like that uh, built a fire inside. Being one of five kids, I've always been competitive. And I think one of the greatest gifts my parents gave me was that they raised me just like my siblings. They didn't raise me as a child with a disability. They raised me as a child with, uh, with opportunities in the future. They gave me a great education. Um, I found out about wheelchair sports my junior year in high school and um, ultimately was recruited to the University of Illinois to play wheelchair basketball. Now you're from uh, Milwaukee. You were born in Milwaukee. Born in and, Milwaukee. And uh, all this uh, schooling was in Milwaukee, all your high school and all that? Yep, grade school and high school were in Milwaukee, and I actually started college at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And there was a uh, wheelchair sports workshop at which Brad Hedrick came to speak oh. in 1986. At the time, Brad was the men's and women's wheelchair basketball coach here at the University of Illinois. He saw me playing an exhibition game of wheelchair soccer and walked up to me, gave me his spiel. How would you like to be a member of the University of Illinois women's wheelchair basketball team? 
I listen politely, but uh, Wisconsin and Illinois don't like each other, and I could not envision myself I in Illinois. I can't be an Illini. No, I didn't even know what an Illini was. I just knew <laughs> Illinois. Uh, I just knew Chicago, like so many people. Mm-hmm. They don't know there's much beyond uh, I-80, and I was definitely uh, among those who had no clue there was more to Illinois than Chicago. So... Um, Brad kept calling and sending letters, and I thought, wow, somebody wants me on their team. All those years in grade school where I had a strong upper body and a weak lower body, I couldn't run. And so I was always the last kid picked on a team. But here's somebody who wanted me on his team. And ultimately, I thought, okay, I'll go to Illinois. I'll play wheelchair basketball. And after I finish my undergrad degree, I will hightail it back to Milwaukee. Well, that didn't happen. (laughs) Uh, No, it did not. At uh, what point did uh, Brad or or whomever suggest that uh, uh, you're a great uh, basketball player, but I I think you'd be be good in the the track events as well? I had dabbled in track and road races when I was in Milwaukee and actually found a a sponsor, Jim Dursey, who owned a a sign company. He purchased my first $2,000 racing chair, And I had been a part of a developmental U.S. track team that went to England the summer before I came to the University of Illinois. When I came on campus, not only did I play basketball, but I also got involved in the track and road racing program. And uh, Brad Hedrick was the basketball coach. Marty Morse was the track and road racing and strength and conditioning coach. Marty started talking to me pretty early about doing a marathon and there is no way I wanted to do a 26.2 Are you out of your mind? Exactly. 26 miles. Who wants to do a 26.2 mile race? Not me. (laughs) It took Marty two years to talk me into doing a marathon. I was a dual sport athlete throughout undergrad and uh, my senior year in college uh, he talked me into doing the Chicago Marathon. And to get him off my back, I said, okay, I'll do one marathon, and that's, that's it. it. I'm, I'm done. All of a sudden, my training was twice as long, twice as far. I, I hated being out there uh, so much longer. My body was more sore, and I just couldn't wait to get this marathon over with. I went up to Chicago. I couldn't sleep the night before. I was so nervous. And the next day, I was on the starting line with uh, my teammate, Ann Cody. I trained with her every day. And every day, I would be able to keep up with her for about two miles. And then she was gone. And then there, there were a couple other people uh, in, in the Chicago Marathon as well. But I was, I was hoping to stay with Ann as long as possible. Much to my surprise, because of the turns and the hills in the Chicago Marathon, the overpasses, I should say, um, I was able to stay with her for 20 miles. So when she started to get away, in in wheelchair racing, we utilize drafting just like cyclists Mm -hmm. do. So the person in front is blocking the wind for the person behind. And there have been wind tunnel tests done, which show up to a 30% difference in the amount of work the person in the front is doing versus the person in the back in wheelchair racing. So you were drafting uh, from Anne? We were trading off, but I was doing a lot of drafting, yeah. (laughs) She still got away from me. So at mile 20, I was on my own, and I thought, well, I've got 6.2 miles left. I love 10Ks. That's my favorite distance. This is a new race. It's a 10K. It was a long, the the last part of the race was a lot along the lake shore, and there was a lot of headwind, and um, it was, in my memory, the most painful part of the race. When I came across the finish line, my hands were blistered and bleeding. I had bled through my gloves, and 
Marty came up to me really excited. Gene, do you realize what you just did? I said, you were right. I, I can I do finished. a marathon. I finished. <laughs> he said, you finished eight seconds under two hours. You qualified to do the Boston Marathon. And all of a sudden, I stopped in my tracks. and I looked at him. And I said, I am never doing another marathon. I don't want to do another marathon. I promised you I would do one marathon. He's like, Gene, people dream about doing the Boston Marathon. They work their entire lives to qualify for the Boston Marathon. You can't qualify and not do it. And Marty was from the South Shore of Boston. There was no getting out of it. So, the so the, what what year was that? Now I'm nineteen eighty nine uh, is when I did this, when I did the Chicago Marathon, okay. October of eighty nine, and and so six months later, uh, April of ninety is when I did my first Boston Marathon. I was out there with other Illinois teammates. We all loaded in a fifteen passenger van the day before the race and drove the course. I saw the up and down hills, especially in Newton. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's more, more, more no so way. than in Chicago, right? Uh, a little more, in, <laughs> a lot more in Champaign too. So I was really doubtful I was going to get through this course. And on the starting line of my first Boston Marathon, I was yelling at Marty under my breath. I can't believe I let you talk me into this. I don't belong in this race. I could see myself starting to go up the hill, almost getting there, going backwards, and having <laughs> to do it all over. I did not have a lot of confidence. I wasn't applying the training that we had done to the course in Boston. We did weightlifting three to four times a week. I had an incredible strength to weight ratio. I wasn't thinking about how that would help me climb hills. We would go out to the rural roads um, and climb overpasses. And we'd go up and over, turn around, up and over, turn around, up and over without resting. We would do that eight times. And uh, we would do 5K time trials into 25-mile-an-hour headwinds. And I wasn't thinking about any of the training I had done. All I could see were the hills in Boston and how I wasn't going to get up those. While the race began and my goal was to finish in third place, the woman who had won the women's wheelchair division of the Boston Marathon the year before and broke the world record was in the field, Connie Hansen from Denmark. Ann Cody was there. I had never beat her in a race. And there was uh, an international field, but I thought, I I'm going to try for third place. So uh, the race started, and uh, at mile nine, um, Ann Cody got away. Uh, and so it was just Connie Hansen and I. And then at mile 17, we were climbing the steepest hill on the course. Heartbreak Hill is miles 19 to 21. It's the longest hill on the course. It's a series of hills, actually. But this hill at mile 17 was the steepest. And I was able to climb away from Connie on that hill. And uh, Connie was out coasting me on the downhill. So not only did I push hard up the hill, I pushed hard as long as I could down the hill because she kept out coasting me. So I was able to maintain my lead on, on Connie. And then little by little, I saw that I was catching up to Anne. And again, at mile 20, uh, I closed the gap and was able to, to catch her. I thought maybe she looked back, saw that I had broken away from Connie. She was waiting for me, and we could work together. We were setting an Illinois person up to win. By now, I'm an Illinois person. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I ended up passing her on Heartbreak Hill. And uh, when I crossed the finish line of my first Boston Marathon, not only did I win, but I broke the world record by nearly seven minutes and 26.2 miles earlier, I didn't think I belonged in the race. It's really an amazing story. And that was the beginning of a remarkable record where she uh, won the uh, Boston Marathon uh, eight times. 
Yes, I won eight times. And then uh, I, I don't even want to talk about your uh, wheel getting caught in the uh, railroad track. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I went out to Boston, and the first five consecutive years, I broke the world record every year. And I give Marty Morse the credit for that. He had uh, a vision and, and an understanding of exercise physiology as it applies to upper body exercise that nobody else in the world knew. He had master students, doctoral students, folks coming to study biomechanics, uh, exercise phys. We had more VO2 max studies done than I can count. I used to tell people we were the most fit guinea pigs in the world. And as Marty kept refining our training, we kept getting stronger and faster and stronger and faster. I am the only person to, to break the world record at the Boston Marathon five times. So I won it the first seven times in a row. And then in 1997, I was at about mile 22, mile 23, and um, my main rival from Australia, Louise Savage, was side by side with me. Somehow, she had kept up with me in the hills, and as I was strategizing my next two or three moves, I wasn't aware of where my wheel was, and it slipped into the trolley track, and I flipped and crashed. So I was. What did it do to the chair? Anything? To, to, it 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 didn't do anything to the chair. It tore the tire off my rim. Oh. Um, I, we use sew ups. Uh, sew ups are a type of tire where the top and the bottom are sewn together, and you can use a very high pressure tube on the inside. The harder the the tire is, the less rolling resistance there right. is. Oh, the faster sure. you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I we glued our sew ups onto the rim, and the torque of the crash rip the the tire off well we used to scare uh, carry spare tires and a co2 cartridge to help blow up the tires um with air so i had a spare tire i took that off we practiced changing tires while we were still sitting in the chair because it would take too much time to get out of the chair we strap ourselves in our chair just like a runner ties their shoes we are one with the chair. So I had a strap over my thighs, in front of my knees, over my back. It would have taken far too much time to undo all that, get out of the chair, change the tire, get back in the chair, resituate myself. So we would practice changing flat tires while still in the chair. So I changed the tire while I was in the chair, and my CO2 cartridge wasn't working. And by now I had been stopped six or seven minutes Uh and I pushed everybody away and I just said I gotta go I gotta go I gotta go I could feel third place getting closer and amazingly um, as I crossed the finish line in second place that year uh, the gal in third place was only about 25 seconds behind me we're visiting with uh, Jean Driscoll if you have any uh, questions you would like to talk about we're uh, reviewing her amazing uh, athletic uh, career and uh, I want to uh, we have to take a, a commercial, but when we come back, uh, I want to begin to, to talk a little bit about uh, uh, what happened to this uh, young woman uh, after uh, all this uh, was over. You think, well, you know, she doesn't uh, race anymore. That, probably, that must be the end of the world for Jean Driscoll. It was far from that. So let's take a quick break, Ed, and uh, come right back and talk more with uh, Jean.
We're back with uh, Gene Driscoll. And, uh, Gene, we're uh, so uh, short of time today. We have uh, to get out of here at 11 o'clock, and uh, I want to spend some time uh, talking about the work uh, you've done uh, after your athletic uh, uh, career. And uh, she's been inducted into the um, U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame and early this year the Lincoln Academy of uh, Illinois and and uh, they gave her the Order of uh, Lincoln Award, the highest award bestowed by the state of Illinois, and on and on and on. She's the uh, godmother to the mariner of the sea. She has her own ship, folks. <laughs> and uh, what would you do? You bang some uh, champagne off the uh, bow of that ship? I got to christen it with the big bottle of champagne. I did. And uh, she is uh, spending a lot of time as a motivational speaker and an international advocate for those with uh, disabilities. And we want to talk about a lot of the philanthropy, the work that she has done, particularly with uh, the folks in uh, in uh, Ghana. I don't want to start on that until after the news. Uh, so uh, tell me uh, just uh, quickly uh, about, uh, I, I remember t- talking to you on the air. In fact, I... Uh, you might remember I uh, did an interview with you at the 1996 uh, Atlanta Olympics. I remember clearly. Right, uh, right after you had uh, raced there, and uh, the word that I, the person that I remember from from all these races was, oh, that Louise Savage. <laughs> she was your, uh, she was your big uh, competitor, uh, and you say she just was in town not too long ago. Louise Sauvage was the darling of Australia during her racing career, and she was my my primary rival during my racing career. She's coaching the uh, Paralympic wheelchair track team now, and she was in Champaign about two years ago. Um, Her athletes were training with the University of Illinois Paralympic athletes, and Adam Blakeney, who's the current head coach of the wheelchair track and road racing team, let me know Louise was going to be in town, and we got together for dinner and for lunch and it was uh it was so enjoyable it was much different than um our our heated rivalry days yeah, all that uh, competition uh, was set aside and you were yes. just uh, two people having a great time we're going to break here for the uh news uh, coming up at 10 uh, 30 we'll come back and uh, talk more with uh gene dreskel if you have any questions uh, you would like to ask we're going to talk about ghana we're going to talk about uh some of the uh, work she's been done with the uh at the University of Illinois, and then we're going to, sadly enough, have to uh, find out about uh, her leaving town and uh, and uh, taking on an, another job. So the news at uh, ten thirty with uh, Brian Barnhart back with uh, Gene Driscoll after that. All right, thank you, Jim, and good morning again, everybody. 40 degrees here at the bottom of the hour. This update brought to you by F.E. Moran Security Solutions, protecting what matters most to you. President Trump saying he's the victim. That's his take on reporting that says Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign and the Democratic National Committee helped pay for political research that ultimately produced a dossier of allegations about Trump's ties to Russia. That confirmation coming from a person familiar with the matter who spoke to the Associated Press. Fats Domino, the rock and roll pioneer whose steady pounding piano and easy baritone helped change popular music, even as it honored the grand good-humored tradition of the Crescent City, has died. He was 89. Mark Bone, the chief investigator with the Jefferson Parish in Louisiana Coroner's Office, says Domino died on Tuesday. 
Champaign County Board Member John Rector, the second Republican to make a bid for county clerk. He plans a formal announcement this afternoon. He joins Republican Matt Grandoni and Democrat Aaron Ammons in the field. And the Democratic School Board, uh, Danville School Board, excuse me, could give final approval tonight to renaming that district's administration building after a man who worked for the district for more than four decades. That would be Dr. David Fields. And we have a uh, frost advisory for the entire listing area, 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. And just into the newsroom, the Graduate Employees Organization at the University of Illinois plans to take an intent-to-strike vote this week amid contract talks with the school. More in a later newscast. We'll come back with more in just a moment. And the Dow at this hour is down 99, the NASDAQ down 59, the S&P is down 16. As far as the forecast, again, that frost advisory for the entire listing area tomorrow morning, 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Chilly this afternoon, our high will be 49. Stray shower or two, areas of frost tonight, cold, a low of 34, some frost early tomorrow, back up to 63, which is slightly above normal. And then Friday, cloudy, breezy, maybe some wet snow mixed in Friday night and early Saturday with a falling temperature from 51 on Friday and then 42 for the kickoff Illinois and Wisconsin. We're at 1033, and we are at 40 degrees in Champaign-Urbana. This update brought to you by F.E. Moran Security Solutions. I'm Brian Barnhart. Jim returns with more Penny for Your Thoughts next on DWS.
I'd hold that score down, will you? Telling uh, Brian Barnhart to hold that uh, score down on uh, Saturday if he can. It sound like the weather. Now I know why you're going to North Carolina. It's snowing <laughs> here. Are it going to supposed to snow in the weekend? I can't believe it. Um, I want to talk to you about a lot of things here, and we have to do them uh, rather quickly. I, it, it's such a shame to just uh, say, uh, well, she she did some good things in the Paralympics because that's a story in itself. But I'm I'm going to skip that and uh, go to what uh, you were able to do for the uh, people with uh, disabilities down in uh, Ghana. That is. Now you're proud of that, uh, aren't you? That is something that makes me feel great. More so because of how it changed the lives of, of folks with disabilities there. Um, Johnny and Friends is an organization that was started by Johnny Erickson Tata. She is a quadriplegic who broke her neck diving into a shallow lake in, in, the, in the 1960s. And it's a big ministry organization. They have several different programs, one of which is called Wheels for the World. They collect wheelchairs across the country send them to one of 20 uh, prisons where inmates restore them to like new condition and then the wheelchairs are distributed in places like Ghana, Romania, places where wheelchairs are scarce commodities. So Johnny was the guest chaplain at the 2000 Paralympic Games in Sydney. We knew about each other. It's the first time we met. I told her that I was going to be retiring from racing after the Sydney Games. Her organization called me within two or three months after that asking if I would go to Ghana with them to teach a wheelchair track camp. I, I declined initially. Um, I have read all the, the articles and, and seen some of the same TV programs that many people have. There's, there's disease, there's poverty, and I figured it <clears throat> wouldn't be accessible for me. They called on the third time. I said, okay, I'll go there. And uh, in 2001, I traveled to Ghana. And I, I knew polio was still endemic, but uh, I was completely unprepared for um, the, the folks that started to come into the stadium. Some of them were walking on crutches. I figured that. Some of them were in wheelchairs uh, that they had received in those distributions from Johnny and Friends. I had, had figured that. But what I was completely unprepared for were the people who crawled into the stadium on their hands and knees. They had crawled two to three blocks from the hostel where they were staying. They had sandals on their hands, and they had calluses on their knees like you have on the bottom of your feet. And I flash back to when I was 15 and I got my first wheelchair. I was so angry about it, I wouldn't touch it. For weeks, I wouldn't touch the wheelchair. And yet these people are crawling on the ground. I've always had a wheelchair whenever I've needed it. And, and, and crawling through O'Hare Airport, I've never had that indignity, and it would be cleaner than what these people were crawling through. So in that moment... My life mission became to help get people up off the ground, literally and figuratively. Um, the next year I went back to Ghana, I didn't have to be talked into it. And in 2003, I partnered with five Rotary Clubs, four of them local. The Savoy Rotary Club took the lead, and a one Rotary Club from Ghana um, got involved. But we raised $30,000 to, um, to bring eight wheelchair athletes and two able-bodied coaches from Ghana here to the U.S. Lynette Marshall, who used to lead the fundraising efforts in the College of, of Aces here on campus, uh, wrote a matching funds grant and doubled the money. So then we had $60,000. And those wheelchair athletes, for the first time, were on an airplane, for the first time, got their very own wheelchairs. 
They had custom-made everyday wheelchairs, custom-made racing chairs. In 2004, for the first time in history, one male and one female from Ghana represented their country at the Paralympic Games. For the first time, they had a flag in opening ceremonies. What a great, great story. Let's uh, take a call here. This is uh, Eric. Good morning, Eric. You have a question or a comment uh, for Gene? I've got a couple. Good morning. Um, so, Gene, have you been back behind the Cheddar Curtain uh, lately? <laughs> <laughs> I still have family that lives in Wisconsin, so I, I visit there a couple times a year. That's good. Um, I, I'm a UWM grad, so oh, okay. I walk some of the same places. Oh, very um, good. I'm a U of I grad as well. But uh, moving on, one thing that, that bugs my sport, I think, is the equipment issue. A regular fixed skate to a clap skate, mm, mm-hmm. and that raised the, that rendered the body of equipment for, for competition purposes virtually obsolete. And and the co- the costs of, of modern equipment, are, I mean, you can drop three, four thousand dollars on a pair of skates now, and so the average, you know, it, it makes it hard on young families, or, you know, what have you. Now I attended an Olympic day at the uh, at the MP building. That's what I'll call it. And, <laughs> That was in 2016. I met a lot of the wheelchair athletes. I guess BMW is your is the national sponsor for for the racing versions and the competition wheelchair. One of them, correct? yes, yeah, one of them. Mm-hmm. But that, they, it was let out that, that a, a wheelchair cost fifty stacks to play to play at that level. That's a lot of money, it, you know. And I wonder how that affects getting people. You know, outside—that's a tremendous outlay. And then you also look at the bobsledders. You know, that's another—that's another sport. Where I wonder if there's some way to get this equipment dialed down. Just find out who the best wheelchair racer is, the best bobsledder. The skaters still get their best skate. Our our, our feet are—you know—we're just not getting as many athletes as we used to. So I just wanted to let that out. Okay, let's uh, let her respond to that uh, expensive uh, stuff, huh? Yeah, Eric, you being a, uh, a great point, an important point, and um, the... Uh the, the the major sponsorship is is only for a few athletes. Um, not everybody has access to that equipment. So the majority of people who are competing these days are um, in racing chairs that are uh, m- mostly made of aluminum. Some of them are titanium. Uh, there are folks who have carbon fiber frames, but those those are expensive. The costs of the sport are prohibitive, and sponsors are a key to athletes being able to do it full-time. Um, there's a reason there are very few elite athletes, because very few people can uh, can afford to be in the sport, much less you, you have to have the talent as well. But to your point, Eric, um, sometimes the equipment and the the speed and the success go hand in hand. Um, if, if you've got a second-generation chair and you're racing against somebody who's got a form-fitted high-tech, lightweight racing chair, um, it, it's it's not exactly a quote-unquote uh, fair battle. But I still think that um, the human engine that makes those chairs go uh, is the biggest difference between who wins, who, who comes in first, who comes in second, who comes in third, um, and and the wheel technology, the glove technology, all of it is, is important to, uh, to fast times. We have a uh, text message that came in here. Uh, Thanks for being a great example to everyone. 
My granddaughter, Ryan's daughter, I guess you know who this is perhaps, Mm -hmm. portrayed you when her class at school had uh, a wax museum. You were so happy to meet with her prior to the presentation. You came to watch. She was so proud Mm-hmm. but uh, nervous to have you there. <laughs> a wax museum, huh? Well, St. Matthew's School, their fourth graders every year do these incredible, it, it seems like semester-long projects where they do research on a celebrity with some connection to Illinois. Um, they do a report, they write it out, and then they have to memorize a speech that's uh, a minute or to a minute and a half. And one day in, I believe it's in April, um, it's it's like a live wax and um, kids are portrayed as Jackie Joyner Kersey or Bonnie Blair or Abe Lincoln. Um, and they have buttons drawn on their hands with marker and you go up and push the button and they'll start portraying hi i'm michael jordan i played with the chicago bulls (laughs) they are so talented and uh, i haven't missed a wax museum in the last three or four years well what a great uh, story i didn't even know they uh, did that that'd be something to to go see we'll have to try to give them a more publicity the next time uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that happens um are you getting an award of some kind, or maybe you got it already? Uh, I saw the, your picture alongside another great uh, friend of mine and uh, a great Illini, uh, Manny Jackson. Yes. What are the two of you got what? Uh, this Friday, the College of Applied Health Sciences is going to be honoring us. Manny's receiving the uh, Distinguished Alumni Achievement Award for the college, and I'm receiving the Harold Sharper Award, which is a Distinguished Alumni Achievement Award for students who... Uh, receive services from the Division of Disability Resources and Educational Services. So basically, it's the Achievement Award for Students with Disabilities. We need to take a quick break. Back with Gene uh, Driscoll right after this.
All right, uh, Gene Driscoll, we're going to have to talk about this sometime. But uh, (laughs) first of all, uh, right now your title is what? I'm a Senior Director of Development in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at the U of I. And you're about ready to go where? I'm about to make the move to North Carolina State University in Raleigh, North Carolina. And what kind, I assume you'll be doing the same kind of work there? or Similar. You? It's, a, it's a step up. I'll be the executive director of development in their College of Design, which has similarities to our College of Fine and Applied Arts. Um, I won't have a Cranert uh, Art Museum. I won't have a Cranert Center for Performing Arts. I won't have a dance program, but it's, uh, it's design, industrial design, graphic design, architecture, landscape architecture. So I will be the lead fundraising uh, fundraiser creating the program to, to fundraise for the college. How'd this happen? You apply, they look for you, or? Uh, a recruiter reached out to me. I was actually in Ireland at the end of June, and so it was about a week before I got back to him, and he talked about how the fundraising program at NC State is relatively young. It's about 20 years old. The College of Design has uh, not performed well, and they were looking for somebody who could come in and make a difference, and so I get to build a program. That was intriguing to me. So I, I submitted my resume and cover letter. I did a video conference interview, uh, and then I was invited a, as a finalist to campus the end of August and ultimately offered the position. So you're out there with uh, the Dukes and the uh, North Carolinas. Tar Heels, and Tar yes. Heels and all those, yes. Huh? Well, NC State, I think we uh, we played them uh, fairly recently. Uh, it's a good that the whole uh, uh, area out there, uh, people uh, just seem to love it, and I know you will And until your sabbatical is over and you come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping that Illinois has NC State on some of their schedules because it will be fun to go, whether it's soccer or tennis or volleyball or basketball or football or golf. I, I want to, to go and, and see my friends. All right, let's uh, think about today, and then let's go back to that uh, day you get your first uh, wheelchair and you wouldn't get in it. Yeah. That's been uh, quite a story. It's been 35 years since Mm. that happened, and I could have never imagined what would take place. Um, Brad Hedrick and Marty Morse are the biggest figures in my life. There have been a lot of people who have invested in me and helped me move forward in life. And uh, I've had a very, very enriching and and blessed life. Um, But I will forever be grateful for Brad Hedrick and Marty Morse. They they changed my life. They, They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and wouldn't let me settle for uh, an average existence. You know, one of the uh, my favorite Gene Driscoll stories is one you told my wife and myself one day about going to a hospital to get a shot in your arm. Do you remember that story? I'll, I'll just quickly uh, remind you of it. You said a nurse uh, uh, was going to give you a shot, and you uh, up your sleeve, and she said, Oh, honey, I can't uh, give you a shot there. That, that arm is swollen so much. <laughs> I don't remember that story. Yeah, then the, and you said, <laughs> you said, well, the other one's just like it. And uh, I guess she was not uh, not used to uh, wheelchair racers and the fact that the, those arms build up 
pretty, yeah. pretty fast. Yes. You don't race now anywhere? Do you work out now? Or I what? work out. I don't train. I've got an upper body ergometer in my basement, which is similar to a stationary yeah. bike, only you do it with, you crank it with your arms. And so, uh, and I also have weights down there. So I, I do uh, limited uh, work on my shoulders to, to keep those strong. Um, but uh, I, I really enjoy watching uh, the wheelchair athletes now. Tatiana McFadden is, is the, the next uh, icon from this community. And she has such an incredible social conscience. Um, she has been everywhere to to talk about uh, issues that are important to her and and to make a difference. She's making a difference in this world beyond competition. She just wins that Grand Slam uh, year after year. That that's not easy to do, is it? No, no. I'm jealous though. I always wanted to do the New York City Marathon, and at yeah. the time I was competing, wheelchair athletes were not allowed in that event. And uh, but I'm thrilled. An Illinois person is is winning it year after year. Yeah, she's uh, terrific. And uh, you're mentioning uh, Brad Hedrick. I uh, I think we should have mentioned. Uh, Sharon as well. Oh, what an athlete she was! Sharon Hedrick, uh, I think, is the best wheelchair athlete in history. Really? I was in her shadow when I first came to Illinois. Mm -hmm. She has uh, gold medals in basketball, in track, in swimming, in field. It seemed like anything she touched, she she was gifted as an athlete, and um, she she set a high bar for uh, people in my generation. Uh, she's the true pioneer. Uh, one final break here. I'm back with a couple more minutes uh, before 11 o'clock with uh, Jean Driscoll coming back right after this.
We're talking uh, during that uh, break about uh, Gene and uh, Manny Jackson getting an award. How, how about a guy that uh, was born in a boxcar, and then he goes all the way from there to a boardroom? That's the name of his book. I read his book. I've read his book a couple times. A lot of interesting stories in there. I, I really look up to Manny. I, I enjoy him. We need to mention uh, one of the uh, projects that you were on, the uh, Center for Wounded uh, Veterans. Uh, you did a lot of work on that, didn't you? During my previous position uh, in the College of Applied Health Sciences, I was the lead fundraiser on the Center for Wounded Veterans in Higher Education. And uh, about a week before I went to the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, we were able to get it fully funded. There are many, many generous alumni and donors. Um, Tim Kortz, uh the Board of Trustees is, is one of them. Um, a lot of people who invested in that program and in that facility to make it possible for uh, returning student veterans to have a, uh, an easier transition. Transition, I'm not going to say is easy, uh, but uh, to have programs in place that uh, allow them a, a smoother college existence. Yeah, it looks like that's uh, going uh, very well, and uh, we, we wish them well. You well, too. We uh, kid about uh, losing you, and, it, and that's, uh, that's from the heart. But uh, I know you will uh, do a great job out there, and uh, the, the records that you have uh, set here and the accomplishments that you have made here are something that, uh, my goodness, if I read your resume and I was out there in North Carolina, I said, what are we waiting for? Let's get her. <laughs> They are they they were ready to have me there yesterday, but I've got a few uh, well, loose when, when ends to tie going? up here. I guess we should. Uh, I'll be moving the week of Thanksgiving. I found a house already to uh, to buy, and uh, and my first day is November twenty seventh, the Monday after Thanksgiving. We'll miss you, and we love you. Thank you. I love you. I love this community. I want to thank everybody from the bottom, middle, and top of my heart for sharing the excitement of all these years and for your incredible support. Uh, it has not gone unnoticed, and it has, it has meant a lot to me. Thanks for being here this morning. My pleasure. Thanks, Jim. See you after the sabbatical <laughs> here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.